Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I am Pastor Vince Haney from Raymond Word of Faith, the Word Church. Again, welcome to another exciting broadcast of Faith on Fire. Again, uh, we've been ta- speaking this whole uh, new year of uh, keys of the kingdom. Jesus said over in Matthew 16, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Heaven. So those keys, are also, they actually give us access to heaven. And, and those keys, again, that's the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the commands of God with promises and promises to unlock stuff or lock stuff. And again, that first key is faith. Because scripture said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to, it says we've been uh, saved by faith, faith through grace. So you need faith to get saved. So we understand that key. But there's lots of more keys on that key ring. But we want to just speak in general this week about the kingdom of God. Because he says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But those keys are from the kingdom of God, which is from heaven. So, again, Jesus came preaching in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. He came preaching saying, the time is near and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And I always define the word repent. I like to define words when I'm reading or studying the Bible. I ain't going to say reading, studying. And I have a, a Bible dictionary. And I understand we all, with simplicity, know what the word re means. Re means to go back. And, and pent, that's the hard one. That's when we. That's where we've been programmed to believe. Pent means, the, means we've been programmed to believe that pent means to sob at the altar. Remorse, blah, blah, blah. But if you think of it, and I've been taught this way, and I believe it's kind of it's true. Where's the penthouse located? Pent, P-E-N-T. It's always on the top. So Jesus said, repent. I mean, come back to thinking like God thought, not like fallen man. Because we know once Adam fell, he lost all spiritual ability. He couldn't use nothing but his intellect now which is the mind without God. <laughs> he couldn't use, he, he got put out the garden and everything that came with it. So now, and then man was operating out of their own knowledge. Maybe that's why he said, lean not to your own understanding. But we start operating out of that. And Jesus came to restore everything back that the first Adam lost. Actually, the scripture refers to Jesus as the last Adam. He came to fix up what the first Adam messed up. So he says, repent. Let's go back to the top and believe the gospel. The good news. And guess what the good news was? God's not mad at you. He's mad about you because he's sending me to be a sacrifice for sin. The scripture says it, 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 it 
it pleased him to to bruise and afflict Jesus. Well, somebody had to pay for sin. And Jesus, that was part of his assignment, to be the sacrificial lamb for all of our sins. And, and, and Jesus knew what that came with. It came with restoration for mankind. It came with bringing that relationship, us back in right standing with God, which is referred to biblically as righteousness. We're righteous now. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, he who knew no sin was made sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. So he said, believe that. And a lot of people, oh, I can't accept, oh, Jesus, oh, I can't believe. Yes, Jesus said, just go ahead and believe it. When he sat on the cross at Calvary after all the ministry and all the stuff he was saying and doing and teaching, opening blind eyes, healing people, he was, miracles, signs, and wonders was following Jesus. And he did all that, and in the end, he let him catch him. He even had a guy on his team to betray him. Oh, your boy Judas. And it was all set up. God, ain't none of that shot God. Oh, I think it caught him by surprise. He caught God by surprise. Yeah, he, said, he said, you know, I, I, I know never saw coming. that one coming. I never thought Boy, Judas that, would do something that like devil, that. He's sly. I didn't see any of that. No, he saw. He he knew what was going to happen right from the very beginning. Before anybody was ever formed. It was all a setup. Yeah. And Jesus, that's what he was trying to say. God sent me to do this. Remember, and Jesus would always say, I don't do anything but what the Father hasn't told me to do. Me and the father are one. And the, again, the religious leaders had a problem with that because they like, you're well, Joseph's son. <laughs> yeah, blasphemy. You're Joseph's son, the carpenter's son, right? He's like, mm. I mean, in John chapter 8, I think it's about verse 58, when he says to them, before Abraham was, I, I am. am. Right. <laughs> and what he was telling them was, you know that I am that spoke to him? Uh, Moses in the burning yeah, bush. Yeah, you're looking <laughs> that at That was me. That was me. And, so, and they couldn't stand it. That's why they picked up stones and tried to stone him because they, they could not tried. stand and you know the what, Richard, idea that he was claiming to be God. Same thing today. People can't stand us because we preach the good news. We're we're commanded to preach the good news, the gospel. He told us go preach it to all creatures. Then baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That baptizing is a transformation. He he gave it wasn't he didn't suggest that we do that. He commanded us to do that. Remember, in the kingdom, it's not a democracy. There's only one Lord, and that's Jesus. And the scripture says God put everything under his feet, things that are heaven on earth and under the earth. It's all been given to Jesus because he was he was the obedient you one. You know what I like it when you say that he's our Lord. A lot of people like to think of Jesus as their Savior. Right. Not yeah. a lot of people like to think of him as their well, Lord. Well, he's the Lord. A lot because of people savior, like your See, oh, he saved me. But but as Lord, that means now he gets to tell me what to do. Right. And, and Richard, there's another group like to think of him as this baby Jesus. They don't think well, he ever grew up. Christ, that's why Christmas is so much more popular than Easter. Right, right. The baby Jesus. At Christmas, he's, he's just a little baby. No, he See, grew up. And what do we do? We cuddle a little baby and we hold a little baby and we coo at the little baby. And then all of a sudden at Easter, he's a grown man and he demands something. A, a baby doesn't demand anything of you intellectually or anything. You just got to take care of him. And you say, oh, hey, so cute. As Jesus is a man on the cross, all of a sudden now he demands a decision from us. And lots of times people don't like that aspect of it. Well, and, and those religious leaders didn't like it either. I was uh, reminded, again, we're speaking on the kingdom of God. I, was, I found that scripture I was looking for yesterday. It was in Matthew 23. And I'm going to read starting at verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and his disciples. And that was highlighted to me. He spoke to the multitudes and his disciples. So he, there was a separation there. He spoke to them and his, and we know the disciples were the ones were his students, his pupils. That's what a disciple meant. And look what it says in verse 2. Saying, this is what he said to the multitudes and his disciples. 
the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And we know bro Moses brought that good old law, those Ten Commandments. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. But look what he said in verse 3. Therefore, whatever they tell you, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Yeah, he said. Again, they say it and don't do it. I mean, the law, all this law. Because like you say, they couldn't keep it. But Jesus said, you guys are with me. And and all you got to do is accept me. You fulfill the law. The righteous shall shall live by faith. Right, right, right. And they they, they did that. But the Pharisees wasn't going to do that. So again, and Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But let me just read on. Look what he says. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. Mm, Sound like religion to me. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their, I can't pronounce this word, pyrolethes, broad, and enlarge the borders of their garment. I just those things go across your shoulders. Remember? Right. <laughs> make your shoulders real big. And, and it says, and enlarge the borders of their garment. Well, they got to have... Well, they want everybody to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me. Look at me. I'm religious. We got those same people today. But I'm going to keep reading. Look at verse 6. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogue. Verse 7. Greeting in the marketplaces and to be called by men, rabbi, rabbi. And where I wanted to go to, uh, it was... I wanted to drop down to what it says... And I'm going to drop down to verse 9. Read that in your own time. But look at verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adore the monuments of the righteous. Let me see where I really wanted to go. It was one scripture in here. He was saying something about, oh, again, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. And right up here, what was it that he said something about the kingdom? They keep people from the kingdom. Oh, verse 13, Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. I mean, you won't let people come in and get this kingdom I'm talking about. And again, Jesus was all about restoration, restoring people back to God. The scribes and the Pharisees had no understanding of that. They was trying to keep you right here in this box called the law. You stay in here, remember? Don't be, and they even try to get on Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. They was gonna get on Jesus. I mean, they gonna reprimand God now for, for healing on the Sabbath. See, they stand in that box, and she's like, "No, nah, whom the Son sets free is free indeed." So come on over over this side by faith. Remember that number one key. Righteous shall live by yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah. Come on on this side and, and get set free, and, and you can get out of this box, this seat that he said describes the Pharisees sat in, which is Moses' seat. So again, I'm, I said all that to say that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's a whole different system from this world system that took that started permeated when Adam fell in the garden. That's why the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. Well, Adam handed over the keys or the authority to him, so he gave him that title, the God of this world. But Jesus, again, is called the last Adam who came to take back the keys. Uh-oh, that's why he said I got the keys now, and I'm calling these keys the keys to the kingdom, and I'm going to give them to my church, which is my body, because I'm the head of the body of Christ. I'm going to give you guys the keys or the wisdom or the revelation or the knowledge 
the commands with a promise, and I'm going to allow you access to heaven. Whatever you lock, be locked. Whatever you unlock. And then he gave us those keys as we start learning and growing in the knowledge of him. Those are keys. Again, we went over several on perseverance. Uh, next week, we're going to be speaking on another key. Well, you know, you talk about the Pharisees, and I love that scripture you're reading where it says that you tried to put this yoke on them. They tried to put this burden on them that they couldn't carry themselves. In fact, he says, you you don't even try to carry it yourself. You can't carry it yourself, and yet you place this burden on other people. And it is so easy. I remember years ago I read a book, and I must have been a teenager. This is how old it was. That was how to be a Christian without being religious. And it was based on Romans, the book of Romans. Because a lot of people want to be religious. They don't necessarily want to be a Christian. And the book was all about how to be a Christian without being religious. And once again, we go back to all those rules that we set. That sounds like a good book. And we say, and it's still around, I think it's probably been reprinted. Um, because it is so easy to be religious, just like the Pharisees. They have rules. You know, the Sabbath was meant for man to worship God. It was a, the Sabbath was intended for man to take a break from his work so that he could worship God on that day without any kind of interference of work or anything else that was going on. But what man loves to do is take what God intends for man and man's benefit and then turn it into rules. So now all of a sudden they had to come up with a whole bunch of rules about the Sabbath. Now all of a sudden I can't go to the movies. Well, see, all of a sudden you can't do anything because, see, what you're supposed to rest from your work. So now what's rule number one got to be? What is work? So they made all these definitions about what work was because you can't work on the Sabbath. So how will we know what work is? And one of my favorite ones was the it's knot the they tied on their belt. What, they didn't have a belt like we do, and they would tie it a knot. If you could tie the knot with one hand, you weren't working. But if the knot you tied in your belt when you got dressed took both hands, you That's were it. now working. And so they got to that point, and they would say you could only walk a certain distance. So what the industrious ones did was, well, I got to walk farther than that tomorrow. So I they would take some of their food or some other possession set it at the limit of where they were supposed to walk. Now they would walk there, and now this is their stuff, so they're still close to home, and now they can walk that distance again. And so man is always inventing the rules to try to to do what God wanted him to do, but then he's also trying to break them. He's trying to figure out how to get around them to the point where the Sabbath no longer was about God. It was about the rules. It was about the law. What had intended to be started and intended to be for man to worship God, ended up being man's worship of the rules. And man's trying to follow the rules. That's why the Pharisees, when Jesus would heal, you're working. That You can't do that. You, and, and we look at that today as believers, and we think that's just absolutely ludicrous that people would say, you can't heal a person on this... Of any day you should be healing somebody, well, it should be on the Sabbath. But you know what? Today, if you're driving to church, I know lots of Christian people that are driving to church and they saw somebody on the side of the road that needed help, maybe even another fellow church member, they couldn't stop because I got to get to church on time. Well, well not only that, so it isn't driving an occupation. 
But I mean, some people I get paid for driving. I can't, that could be considered work. I can't stop and help you though, oh, yeah, because you, I I would be late uh, to church. But but I can break the law and still drive myself there to get to the building. And remember, and I, I'm just reminded as you were saying that how Jesus summed it, summed it up about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath man was not made for the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was made for man. Right. It was it was intended for man to be able to worship God. Right, right, right. So again, the, the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, and, and our job is to get the wisdom of God as we feed on his word and, and, and think kingdom, be kingdom-minded, not church-minded, not religious minded. But see, if there's anybody listening that thinks that the Pharisees are all dead and there aren't Pharisees today, Ooh. there's Pharisees all over the place. Today. When I got first, when I first got born again, I, I encountered one and they told me that uh as a Christian I can't go to the movies anymore. They just left it general. They didn't say what kind of movies. They just said you can't go to a movie theater. And I'm thinking, okay, why not? Well, and I got to back up. Just previous to me getting born again, the scripture says the goodness of the Lord leads one to repentance. God had just showed up with a miracle in my life without me keeping no rules. <laughs> so it's just like the lepers and all those other people Jesus healed. Well, he had an encounter with me. He healed and delivered and set me free. Then I started going to church, and I didn't know nothing about churches. I ended up going to a religious church, and the pastor's wife, who ran the ministry, said, uh, you can't go to the movies. And, and I asked, me being ignorant and a baby Christian, I asked, why not? She said, because there's sinners there. I thought, well, okay, uh, aren't sinners everywhere? You, you can't I can't go to Safeway now. I can't go to Walmart. <laughs> uh, I just better stay in the can't I can't go to any restaurant. I can't go anywhere but to the house <laughs> and back to that building. Because, uh, I thought we were supposed to. But you know to, what? There might be a sinner show up at church too. But I thought we were supposed to reach out to sinners, seek and save no, the lost. We can't have unbelievers in church. Yeah, we gotta, yeah. We got to get your Christian card now, when you come in the door. Now, see, and that's why I, I use that as an example. Of them, they wasn't preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Inclusion. You know, every once in a while, though, I, every once in a while, I listen to people, and you would think that there's there should be a guard at the door. We only allowing Christians in. We don't want any sinners in here. We only allowing Christians in today. Jesus went to sinners that's who he came for the sick right right and right, right, so right. as christians you know i'm sure you've done it i know i've done it i've talked to people and they'll say i only know christians i don't know anybody to invite to church i don't know anybody that's not a christian and i say well you need to if that was true i know that's not true number one and number two if it is true you need to expand because Jesus didn't say just hang out with Christians. Well, he said go give the good news to the world. Right. Well, you need to fulfill your call in the area of being a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador for Christ. Because that's what ministers and ambassadors, they represent the kingdom of God or represent a nation. And a minister of reconciliation, we're here imploring imploring people or pleading with people to be reconciled back to God. So when I hear somebody say that, it's let me tell me, it lets me know you have not understanding because you're thinking you're just supposed to go to church and not encounter anybody who's not a Christian. Right, and that's not going to That's not going to be the case because we understand that there's somebody in your family Although, who needs Jesus. You know, Jesus Jesus might have told his disciples, I haven't seen it yet, but he might have told his disciples just hang out with each other. Don't go out into the world because it's evil well, out there. Uh, and there's I, sinners out there. Just hang out. You 12 hang out together. Of course, now it's only 11. You guys only hang out together. I don't want you go out. No, actually, what he said was, I want you to go out into the world and right, preach right, the right, gospel right, to right, everybody. Right, 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 right. Look, 
Here it is. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the, like you said, the 11 disciples, because we know what happened to one. The 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appeared, appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Ooh, same thing today. Some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, no wonder he can give us the keys, because he says all authority has been given to me. Everything's been placed below He said, in feet. heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, pupils, students of all nations, not just the ones that look like you, <laughs> but all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's a whole different teaching, baptizing them. That's a transformation. Look, he gives definition in the next verse, teaching them. Oh, that's the transformation, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So he said, teach them what I commanded you to do all the time you was with me, oh ye, a little faith. All the time Jesus was teaching. He was demonstrating. He was teaching. Look, I can do this. You can do this. I'll speak it to a tree. Look, I told you to go down to the fish, get the water. But he was, I'm healing people. He said, now I want you to go and demonstrate all the things that I commanded and demonstrated to you, to all nations. Because that's, I always tell people this. One miracle is worth a thousand sermons. You get one healing one, that's what happened to me. One miracle. I didn't have no church services, but one miracle, actually Apostle Paul, one miracle is worth a thousand sermons. So when you allow the power of God or the kingdom of God, which is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to be demonstrated amongst the unbelievers, they'll beat down that church door trying to get in there. Yeah. So that's why he says, look, all authority, verse 20, teaching them to observe all the things I commanded you. And here's the good news. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He said, you're co-laborers with me. You're fellow workers. I'm going with you. I'm going to be with you because I'm inside of you. I'm going with you to help. You're actually, you're co-laborers with me to advance the kingdom of God. He said, I'm with you. So go and do this. I don't know where we got off at. We, a lot of us just disregarded all this. We started doing something else. Well, so and we it, started preaching something else well, too. See, See, I don't think the Pharisees started out to go bad. I don't think the Sadducees started out to go bad. I don't think, I think Adam started off to go it, bad. But, I mean, it's just our human nature to want to go back to the rules. Well, that's sin nature. But back to, like I just said, I don't think Adam started and Eve started off to go bad. Right. But, I mean, it's but just— But what our, happened, though? It, they were see, deceived. You know, when you talk about religious churches or legalism or any of those things, I don't think it's people just decided to go bad. It's just so easy for us to go back to that— because it's what we know. It's familiar. It seems easy. It is easier, I think, in many ways. Because, okay, so I can't go to the movie. And I can't play cards. And I can't go to the casino. And I can't smoke and I can't drink. Those are That's what I think of those as the, the major, big five. The, five, the big that's, five. That's the big five. And, you know, it's pretty easy to not do any of those things. And so now I can sit back and say, well, I'm in. I'm good, but but, but Richard, man, I you know I'm a lot better than my neighbor because I know he now hold on, Richard, all five of them. Now now I'm all good with the big five, but Jesus said this. The scripture says this, and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. They will speak with new tongue. They will cast out demons. So he doesn't say in my name they won't go to the movie? No, 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 none of that. I want to see you. That's okay. That's the good things. Those things are good. There ain't nothing wrong with those if that's what you like to do. But let me see you demonstrate the spirit and the power. Because remember, he says, I'm going to give you power to do this. So that's the 
true identity of a real Christian, you're operating not only in that stuff, but you're doing the spiritual things too. In some churches, we don't want to talk about no spiritual stuff. Just give us a good kids program and let us get on out of here because it's been two hours well, already. Past can be scary. Yeah. Well, well, I'm he not. He starts moving. It can get scary. Well, 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 but well, we're in the family. We're in the family. Yeah, so as long as you're in the family, and I, and I understand this, every good and perfect gift comes from above. God's not going to give his kid a gift that's going to harm him. So, but again, one miracle is worth a thousand sermons. One person getting healed and delivered and set free that wasn't a believer, that encountered an ambassador for Christ, a minister of reconciliation, you done laid hands on them and prayed for their sister, and they go home and sister healed. Guess who getting the glory? Guess who's now coming to your building on Sunday? And telling his whole family. It's all throughout the scriptures. But, but even as you talk, one Christian in the church getting healed is worth a thousand sermons <laughs> right. about healing. Well, it should be. It should be. Because we're in the family. We have a right to healing. People in our congregation expect that because I'm always preaching that. That's part of member, membership has its privileges. Psalms 105, forget not all his benefits. That's part of the benefit package of being reconciled, redeemed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So anything that res resembles a curse, I've been redeemed from it. Redeemed means to be bought out of, brought out. Remember, Jesus prayed for it. When he said it was finished and I received him, it is finished. I'm an, I'm an heir with him and I'm an heir with God and a joint heir with Christ. And if you don't know that and you're thinking, oh, poor me and all that, remember, those who receive abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall rule and reign in life as kings. Because God's a king. That's why we call him his majesty. You know, your excellency. He's a king. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. When, and we're in the family. When, and when you said, oh, what was me? It reminded me last week when you're we talking about people that have given organ recital. Oh, my spleen's killing me. Oh, my, oh, my, my pancreas. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't even know where a pancreas is. But, right, you know, right. Some people know that my there's liver. <laughs> and, you know, and they just give and And once they hit all the organs, oh, my elbow, too, and my shoulder and my knee and well, my see, foot. You know what? Because they have not so learned Christ. Jesus taught us the principles of meditating on the word of God. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, here's the thing about meditation. Meditation brings revelation. Again, there's a difference from revelation knowledge and information knowledge. Information, I just read that. Revelation knowledge means I got a rhema out of that. I the understand Bible, it. Yeah, I understand it. Not only that, the Bible says... In Thessalonians, the word works effectively in those who believe. So as you start meditating on it, it starts transforming what you believe. Now, something gets illuminated in you, too. And that word becomes alive in you because your spirit loves it. But anyway, we're out of time, but we're definitely not out of faith. Join us tomorrow for another episode of Faith on Fire. And remember, keep living by faith. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927. Please join us next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.